Here's what you missed on the last episode of Colony Confidential. The management company forced us in. They said, we're going to pay you. And they were back charging the tenant for whatever the reason is. Okay, fine. Let's go. We're going to walk through this restaurant. It was an Asian fusion restaurant. We walk in at like 3 o'clock in the afternoon. They're packed. People are waiting to sit. There's fucking roaches everywhere. Falling off the ceiling. Disgusting. We had to fog it. We had to fog it three times. So as we're doing it, we're seeing mice while we're fogging, right? So the second night we go back to treat, one of my techs is like, oh my God, I don't know if I could ever eat at a restaurant like this again in my life. They had a peanut butter, like, like, a, like a big peanut butter tin can. It probably was about... Like as big as a, a tin that you get cookies in at Christmas. Yes, something like that. And you could see paw marks from where the fucking mouse was running through the peanut butter. What are we talking about? Today? We're doing our music. Oh, 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 oh. Come on, let's get serious. We got things to do. I'm a busy man. You know, you could goof around. Now it's showtime. Let's go. We probably should talk about you going to Russia for a little bit. Okay. Ed is back. Ed, how was your Russian trip? Outstanding. Uh, Mr. and Mr. America, I'm back. All the ships at sea, I'm back. Um, trip started. Where I flew into Helsinki, Finland. Let, okay, we don't need play-by-play. Hit the highlights. I know flying in is not a highlight. Okay. So besides Russia, I was in Helsinki, Finland. And what I learned in Helsinki, besides looking for cars, looking out when you're crossing, you also got to look for bikes. I almost got hit twice by bikes. There's a gazillion bikes. They have a department store there called Workman's or Somethingman's. And it's like about 12 stories high and two blocks long. And their slogan is, if you can't find it, at whatever the name of the store is, you don't need it. <laughs> and they have everything from real estate to food to clothes. You can book trips. I mean, everything you need is in this store. But there was a little gem across the street called the Great American Diner. And it was like banging back in the 50s, playing 50s music. I had a hamburger. <laughs> With a Come on, bro. But Anyhow, so you, you're telling us about going to a diner. I mean, snooze well, it was fest, cool. Central. So anyway, we left there. We took a train from there to St. Petersburg. And on the way, they finish guys come on and check your passport. Then you go a little further, you're getting closer to the Russian border. And these big women come on dressed in blue uniforms. Uh, passport, please. <laughs> you give it to them. Give it back to you. You're done. You think. We just went to a lot of little river towns. We spent time in St. Petersburg first. The hermitage is outstanding. A lot of castles. Apparently, back in the day, rich Russians were trying to outdo each other by building bigger castles while everybody else was starving. Gee, imagine that. You didn't want to be a czar or uh, somebody in power in Russia because you got killed. And if somebody pissed you off like this one guy's kid disobeyed him, he was nine, he had him killed. This other guy died. His son was going to take over. The kid was three or four. But this other guy was going to be next in line, and he killed the kid. One of the towns there, Uglich, we went to lunch with a Russian family. Uglich, a lot of good-looking women there, right, in Uglich? Uh, no. Yeah. It was named properly. Anyway, <laughs> anyway. This guy and his wife worked in a watch factory, and they were real happy to show us these watches, which looked pretty inexpensive, I'm being kind. We had lunch with them, and the guy had a big yard. They wanted to build their own house. They bought some property. They moved in with his mother, and they raised their kids there. It took them 10 years to build a house, you know, to show the money. And when they got the house built, shortly after that, the kids moved out. <laughs> but it was a really nice house. Not a mansion, but, you know, you wouldn't mind living there. Anyway. In um, Russia? You'd live in Russia? No. 
I'm just saying, if the house was somewhere else, I wouldn't live in Russia. Before the capitalists, or whatever they call them now, took over, when the commies were still in charge, they were getting $400 a piece, um, uh, like uh, retirement money, Social Security. So then Putin took over, and everything went in half. So like, if you had a million dollars saved for your retirement, you now had, you now had 500000 If you were getting 400 a month, you had 200 a month. So the only reason these two were having a decent, they could survive on 200 a month. Between the two of them, it was 400 a month. Their kids are helping them out so they can have some nice things in life. And they were really nice people. After that, we went to uh, went into Moscow, big town, a um, lot of lights, a lot of big buildings there. What I've discovered in my less than thorough research, the older people are not too fond. They were happier when the communists were there because the communists gave them everything. I think, yeah, well, the only thing maybe they had to buy was vodka. Drinking vodka like, and you know what I noticed about vodka? You drink the first shot. Like when I was in this guy's house, you like vodka, mister? I go, yeah, give me some. I drank the first one. I'm like, oh, God, this is like turpentine going down. Second one wasn't that bad. That a third one was pretty good. He goes, oh, you like? Have more is good. I go, no, 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 no. One, two, three, okay. It's the fifth and sixth one. You got to watch out for, pal. Uh, I made friends with one of our guides. His name is Peter. He's in one of our videos. He's looking forward to coming to Brighton Beach. He might call us. Moscow has a lot of nice places. I was in the place I always wanted to be, in Red Square. Why do you always want to be there? Because I always looked at it. It was such a threatening place. I was there in a good way. I, would, I was there. We won. There was no war. We won. There was a Cold War. Yeah, but nobody, it wasn't a shooting war. But I remember as a kid looking at all these missile trucks coming through Red Square and all of these fat Russians up on Lenin's tomb waving and people screaming. And um, I remember one of the first things I saw, Georgie Zukov come riding in on a white horse. For you that, that don't know who he was, he was a great Russian general in World War II. He was so good and so popular that after the war, Stalin had him sent to Siberia because <laughs> he could have he was like competition you know i gotta get rid of this guy they like him then there was this gum department store which back in the day they had some stuff but there was everybody's on a million man line trying to get some crap and by the time he got there maybe he was out of it now it's a very high-end mall what's it, it called gum or they call it the, mm, mm, it's g-u-m you know like gum and everybody's dressed to the nines it was just you know an eye-opener after that I was in the Kremlin. I spoke with Putin. I think I can solve this. Uh... Well, this is what I've been waiting for. <laughs> Actually, I didn't find him. However, I could have had my picture taken with a guy that looked like him for $5 American. And speaking of money, they do love American money over there. Cash. Oh, cash is good. Okay, fine. The other thing about Russia in Moscow, St. Petersburg, along the banks, all a lot of churches. They all have those onion domes. Some of them are very... Like the, they're, they're the Greek Orthodox, right? Churches? No, no, Eastern Orthodox. Please, don't 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 get that wrong. They're very touchy. Oh. Eastern Orthodox. They don't have a pope. They got a bunch of guys like that get together, and one guy's I guess higher than the rest or whatever. But he ain't a pope. He, I forget what they call him. Anyway, um, beautiful some beautiful churches. The Saint Basil's Cathedral in in Red Square, and certainly uh, you'll see pictures of that on the website. All right, so basically, if I'm you want I'm not done yet. I know, but but I mean, I think half the people are asleep right now. All right, listen. Just let me sum up Ed Sheen's trip. You fly in, you can sleep, you fly home. It sounds pretty boring. You don't sleep that much. It's very interesting if you look at it. In summing up, I did go to Lenin's tomb. I spit on it. I couldn't get near <laughs> Stalin's tomb because they got it fenced off. I won't tell you what it would have done to him. Anyway, it was a good trip. I had a good time. I'm glad I'm back. 
And uh, where are we going from here? Well, you're going to Nashville. Oh, yeah. No, I am going to Gatlinburg on Monday. To where? Gatlinburg. Okay. So uh, I'm meeting my friend Rick and uh, and his wife, Sue. Rick, uh, we keep talking about you. You were going to have to, yes, or yes, cigar business over there is going to have to come up with some sponsorship money. Yeah, so yeah. We we'll, keep mentioning your name, bro. We'll have, to, we'll, have to, we'll have to get him on a podcast somehow. What about uh, the I'll other do, business? I'll do, a, I'll do a podcast with him when I go down there. When you're down there, talk to him about the other thing. Since he owns 11 of them. What thing was that thing? The thing he owns 11. Not the first thing, the second thing. Yeah, Don't mention it, because then we got it. Here's the thing. That thing that you're talking about, Yeah, that's a franchise deal, and they hired a national company. So Ed Sheehan's back from Russia. For all of you people that asked why he went to Russia, I think you just got the answer if you were able to stay awake through it. Basically, what I got out of it, he went to spit on Stalin and Lenin's grave. He got <laughs> half of the mission was completed. Today, we're going to be talking about sales, selling. I mean, obviously, sales is your number one thing. How do you get business? How do you close? So sales, Ed Sheehan, what would you well, like to talk about sales? you know, one thing I, I learned when I was the only one there, the best salesman I had was myself. As I hired people, I did my best to train them because they could be salesmen as well. As long as they did a good job, they got their rock down. And I had two along the way over many years. I had two excellent exterminators but they had the personality of a chiclet. It's like, this guy shows up at your door, oh, shh, the exterminator's here again. All right, go ahead. As opposed to, oh, hi, how you doing? Blah, blah, blah. Maybe the guy asked you how the kids are, blah, 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 bada boom, bada boom. He's like part of the family. Not an intimate part, but he's part of the family. You know, you're talking. Like, I was in Russia. I was at a table in a ship with, with uh, six other people. One of the biggest toppers was I had a mouse. I saw this thing. So people talk about pest control, believe it or not. I remember I was shocked. Yes, I was drinking in a bar, and there was a couple of doctors there, and they were asking me about roaches in their apartment. I told them, what do you want me to write your prescription or something? So the good thing about sales is that you can train your men. Each one of them has to be a salesman, and they should get a bonus for every new stop they bring in, and it should be constantly reminded. You know, uh, Everybody wants more money. I want more money. You want more money. So these guys can make more money if they sell. Well, I'm very busy when I do my route. No kidding. You can go around at night on your own time. You can go there Saturday. You know, if you're Jewish, go on Sunday. There's always time to sell. There's a lot of conversations surrounding what you're talking about, which is turning a technician into a salesman right. or to have a technician upselling. Upselling is very big in residential. Being that colony is less than 5% residential, it's not something that a colony technician can do as far as going into a house and saying, um, I'm here for roaches, but we, we don't treat the outside of your home. Maybe you want a perimeter treatment quarterly, whatever the case is, and upselling that. The way colony works it is we pay for leads and we give a commission based off a lead. And what we tell guys is you do not have to sell. You have to just get the information. If you go That's somewhere and you say, hey, I do pest control, are you guys interested? And, and I think a big mistake in sales is people give their card and they walk away. And they just say, here's my card. Give us a call. Got to follow up. So what we teach all of our techs is get the guy's information, get an email, get a cell phone number, preferably both. If you're only going to get one, get email. We're going to follow up with that person. And still, if we make that sale, they get a commission. For a lead like that, that a tech brings in, we give a minimum of 10% if we sell it. So the techs are happy because that's relatively easy. Because the tech is not selling anything. The tech can answer minimal questions. They can't answer anything about money, but they can answer about technique and treatment. 
and they could say, this is what we would do, but let me take all your information, give it to a supervisor, my manager, and let them reach out to you because I'm really just a technical guy and I really just do the treatments and I kill things. You always want to be getting top dollar for everything. And this is what we struggle with because let's say that we want to sell at $10 an hour, right? Our top price is $10 an hour and our lowest price is $6 an hour. And you got to give your salesperson wiggle room and let him know where he could be. At the end of the quarter or the month or however you have his goals, if he's not at the goals he needs to be to max out, he might sell 30 jobs at the $6 rate to get to where he wants to be, yeah. which costs you more. But you always want him, instead of selling the 30 jobs at $6, which comes out to 180 bucks, you would prefer for him to sell 18 jobs at $10 because your money and everything, your money is more, your profit is more. And another issue that we hear from everybody, and I've spoken to people from $2 million companies to $100 million companies that all say that sales and operations, hate is a strong word, but uh, want to kill each other. Because the salespeople sell the world. I got a question. Mm-hmm. You said the technician gets you a lead and he gets 10%. 10% of what? 10% of 10%. the clean out, 10% of the month? It's 10% of what we sell. So that, that's the best way to put it. If it's a one-time bed bug job at $10, he gets a dollar. If it's an annual contract for a restaurant that's $400 a month, he gets $480 at the end of three months. Wow. We wait three months. It's not a bad deal to just get information and give it to us. We're not gonna close every single one, but the technician is not necessarily doing a ton of work doing that. He gets paid for the lead if we close it. And what I explain to every single person that works for us, throw a dart in any direction. They need us, they need us. It doesn't matter who it is, homeowner, pizzeria, commercial office building, every manhole. If you're in the middle of a big street and you throw it and it hits the manhole, guess what? They need us, there's water bugs in there, something, rats, alligators, depending on where you are. But the truth of the matter is, is this business is a great business. And selling, you need a good personality. I was on the phone with a a competitor in New York. We're friendly about two nights ago. He was complimenting us on the show. Our good friend over there from... uh, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. From Long Island? Yeah. And we were just talking about perception is everything in this business. That We were talking about canines because he uses our canines from time to time. And he was just saying, you know, you send a guy... He's got a clean uniform, he's pressed, his shirt is tucked in, he, he doesn't look like a schlep, and his dog is terrible. And here comes this other guy who looks like he just came out of the gutter, and his dog is a rock star. Guess who most people are going to believe? They're going to believe the better dressed guy. And it's true. When you're selling, you have to have the proper product and the proper appearance, because this gentleman said, and he's 100% correct, perception is everything. And in sales, you have to remember that. Since we do commercial Pest control sales for the most part. I'll talk on what makes a good commercial salesman for pest control. And since you started pretty much in residential, when you started your business, you can go with there. How's that sound? Good? Residential. You know, I did say I was going to start, right? You said go start with that. Didn't you just tell me start with that? You start with that. Go ahead. You had it. You start with that. So I'm starting with that. All right, just Is that what you, you meant you by that see, thing? It, we're already back to agitation. Well, go ahead. So, so anyhow, so I started, I was all alone. And, uh, you know, well, you don't have a lot of money, but it was all alone. by doing a good job, it was all a dream. I used to go ahead. That's what it was. Go ahead. A dream I got from my parent. <laughs> I won't say parents because my, my mother was uh, sort of against being a goddamn rat catcher. But my father was a good inspiration. Anyway, I found that by learning my trade and I could never know enough. And still to this day, after 51 years, I still don't know enough by being current and staying 
going to a lot of seminars and doing a good job, caring about doing a good job and talking to people. Because you know what? I found out I don't care if you're white, green, blue, tangerine, black, whatever. You're still a person. You still have, we're very similar and uh, very similar, very similar. So we talk about family. We talk about this, that, and the other thing. And um, they would recommend you to their friends. I had a customer on Hancock and Jefferson in Brooklyn. Within a month, I had about 10 because I did a good job. She was sort of like the mayor of the neighborhood. All right, listen. You want a story or not? No, you send I don't a, want a story. What do you want? How to be a good salesman for residential. Okay, you have to get people to like you. And first impressions mean a lot. So if you go in there and you, you haven't shaved, you stink. <laughs> You probably ain't going to get the job. Or they're going to go, God, it's that stinky exterminator. Part of being a good salesman is being a good educator. You take your time. You explain to people exactly what you're going to do. You, you have to give them a label, which they usually toss in the garbage. But you can take key points in that label and show it to them. This is what it is. It's not safe. We can't say that. But it's the least toxic pesticide I can use to do a good job. And that's what I'm going to do here. And then I would recommend... That there's a few things you can do, throwing out the garbage, maybe a little better. Um, a leak, there's a leak under the sink, maybe you want to get that fixed, or do you need sweeps under the door? By learning your trade, you can start with one job, but it could lead to other jobs. You got to show these people some respect. They're a person, so you just don't go in to take their money, you come in to do a job, you talk a little bit. The salesman has to think, what would he want? How would he want to be treated? Some guy's going to come in to paint your house. Oh, yeah, okay, fine, uh, $2,500. Then you get another guy. He comes in and he explains different things he's going to do, like he got some cracks, he's going to fill it. He goes in and explains the whole job to you. But he wants $3,000. I'm giving it to the $3,000 guy because I think I'm going to get a better job for an extra 500 bucks. Why not? Same thing with any kind of sales. The key element is keep smiling, be enthusiastic, and make eye contact. Always look them right in the eye when you talk. I remember many years ago, I went out to buy, in a, I lived in Long Island, and I was out to buy, I think it was a rug. Went out there with Peggy and the kids, and it was this guy saying, I'll oh, just look, I'm not going to buy. And it was this older man, probably a lot younger than I am, and I say he's in his late 50s, early 60s. I remember this guy kept looking in my eye and telling me the advantages of this and that, and I bought it. And... A couple of months later, we needed something else. Went back to this guy again. I go, I'm not going to buy nothing. I'm not going to, okay, I'll buy it. This guy looked you in the face. He was very sincere. He explained what the positive part was of whatever he was selling and what could be negative and how to take care of it to try and avoid that negativity coming up. If you seen him in the street, you wouldn't think he was anything special. But when he was selling, he was on. Like the light went on. He was enthusiastic. He was truthful. And uh, we were very... Well, you know, you always got to... He seemed truthful. But it's like you were saying, it's that connection. What's the matter? We're losing positivity here. The guy was, the guy was truthful. all this shit Ask your you. mother. Ask your mother. She liked the product. Where's the rug now? If it's still there, it's in 39 West 10th Street, dear Park. <laughs> <laughs> he did not say... Wait, 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 wait. He did not say it was going to last 40 years. So, oh, right. Okay? Didn't say that. The bottom line is, is a good salesperson is making that connection and making the person want to come up off that bread, basically, which means making the person want to pay you and thanking you for selling them on your service. Big Red, who you refer to as Howdy Doody, to this day 
every company that he's worked for speaks of his amazing sales technique. Not only is he able to sell the job, he's able to sell the job more than 90% of their salespeople, and he collects the money, whether it be cash, check, or credit card, on, I think the number that one of his old employers gave me was on 80 to 85%. He gets the money up front before the work is even done. He's great with the customers at one company, but he has some kind of connection. And we always joke about the fact that is it because he looks like Howdy Doody that yeah. people think they trust him? Yeah. They're just like, oh my God, I remember watching this. What time is it, kids? It's Howdy Doody time. Right. But in any case, <laughs> It is really about getting to know your customers. So from, from a commercial, gee, we got we to gotta check with the lawyer, make sure we can't get in trouble for this thing about Big Red. But uh, How come we didn't bring him back? What do you mean? How come he's not working? He's not, he doesn't live in the state anymore. What has he got, a girlfriend out there, a boyfriend? What's the deal? Girlfriend. Tom's always been into women. Oh, that's good to know. Um, <laughs> not that it matters. So anyway, commercial sales is different than residential because if you get this commercial lead on XYZ account, especially with technology today you go on every search engine possible on the internet you look it up you, you check for articles on it and you learn about the company and when you go to meet with the person you're doing a walkthrough with because most commercial stuff is walkthroughs you need to see what's going on the salesman needs to be ready for the conversation and he should know something about that particular company that you guys are looking to get the job from and i do think what a lot of people do when they hire salespeople is they worry more about the sale than the education of the salesman. You could have your program and your salesman can know how to sell the program. Oh, this is what we do. We put in 35 rat stations, this, that, and the other. But they need to be educated in pest control. When we interviewed for salespeople, we said, well, how do you feel about getting dirty? Uh, you know, I do sales. I don't feel I don't want to get dirty. Your salesman in pest control needs to get dirty to a certain extent when they're on the job doing the sale. They need to get under and look at stuff. I think that everybody needs to have, sales need to have the same personality and it is about having a personality and being able to talk to people and joke and laugh and take a rejection well. You need to be able to be rejected. You don't need to get down, you need to get rejected and be like, damn, people told me you no, know, go F myself five times today, but I sold seven accounts. All right, great. That's perfect. You, you, know you need to have an upbeat mentality. And I think we're going to go back to Big Red because apparently he's the best salesman anybody's ever had. And his mentality, he laughs at all of this stuff. He laughs at when people curse him out. He thinks it's hilarious. But the bottom line is, is a good salesperson needs to have a great personality, be able to talk about anything, knowledgeable about what you're actually selling and doing, not just selling, but what you're also doing, some technical stuff as well they should know, if not all. Follow up on everything, and sales is a process. Sometimes it's a 30-minute process. Sometimes it's a three-month process. We're at the tail end of a process of selling a large commercial account that I hope to tell you in two weeks that we got it. But it's been in the process since June. Okay. So, you know, you didn't get the account. I was sure I was going to get this account. I called up, and I found out why I didn't get the account. Why did you get the account, Sheehan? I'm not going to tell you because our competitors could use it. It's brilliant. The guy that got it, I'm like, whoa, that's smart. That was brilliant. Anyway, hats off to whoever the guy was. I don't remember. But after that, if I didn't win a bid, I called back. How come I didn't get it? Usually it was with somebody else who's lower. Okay, fine. You know what? That's fine. But this thing here really stuck in my mind. I wish I could tell you, but it's a trade secret, so I didn't tell Maybe you. Maybe if we add a premium content to 
the website where for a small monthly fee, Eddie, you can listen to all of these things we won't tell you. Next time on Colony Confidential. These dogs know what their job is and they love it. There's somebody when they get out of that cage. The biggest thing in scent detection that everyone will tell you is we mess it up by thinking about it too much. It's very simple. When the dog comes out of the crate, it's working. When the dog goes back in a crate, it's not working. That's it. That's how it works. Colony Confidential booth 2230, October 22nd through October 26th at Pest World. We're going to be there. Look out for us. Really good time. I woke Fun. them up. Fun. Really good time. Listen, stop by. If you have any war stories, we're looking to hear them. If you have any questions, we want to hear them. If you have any suggestions, we want to hear them. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to subscribe and review. Send us anything you want us to know about at colonyconfidential at gmail.com.